Welcome back to Black Traveling LCSWs. Black Traveling LCSWs is a podcast that speaks to all social workers or social work enthusiasts about the importance of self-care by way of travel and various social work topics across the board. If you choose to travel during this pandemic, travel at your own risk. This podcast is not responsible for any unforeseen incidents that may occur during your travels. What's up, y'all? Hey. I'm Brittany. I'm Tia. And we are back for, I don't know what episode this is, but we back. episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we are Black Traveling LCSWs. And today, or this evening, we're going to talk about emergencies on trips while you're traveling and getting fired as a therapist and firing your therapist. So, emergencies on trips. We familiar with this. (laughs) (laughs) You familiar with this. (laughs) Yeah, I've had a couple of emergencies. Um, Where to start, though? I think when I'm thinking about emergencies on a trip, I guess the number one thing I think of is trying to stay calm. Okay. And I think I, I do pretty well with that because I feel like if you panic, you take a risk of like making things worse. True. So I don't even know. Should we go in? I feel like we've explained a couple of emergencies that we've had. Yeah, I think we have. In prior episodes. But, but. I think just like the overview of how to handle an emergency or when things just go wrong continuously or just oopsies, really. Mm-hmm. Any of that. Right, right. I think it helps to have somebody that you're traveling with who can think fast. Tia. (laughs) (laughs) She's good at that. You're good at that. I try to. Yeah, you think on your toes. And then usually I put things to the side. Like I put my fears to the side or Mm -hmm. I don't think about what I got going on just into, okay, let's handle it now. And I can sort my feelings out about it later. Right, right. Yeah, because if you get caught up in in the moment with the emotional part of it, like I said, like it will it will make things worse. Absolutely. Um, what else? I know we talked about it before, but it's important to maybe consider travel insurance. Mm-hmm. And what I didn't really think about until recently is travel insurance is important even if you're not flying out the country or leaving the country. Just you may need it for state to state or if you're traveling by car just any little thing you know travel insurance could be helpful for in those situations you just never know those same incidents that can happen abroad can certainly happen states away from your home state mm-hmm. have you ever had um I mean I guess it's hard to answer this it might not even be a good question but like an incident where things just went to hell and you just couldn't get it back (laughs) you just couldn't pick the pieces back up I don't think so Mm -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. um I'm thinking about my most extreme incident or the most extreme trip I went on where my cousin got hurt overseas and we had to go to Mm -hmm. the ER abroad just um not thinking how are we gonna get this back on track but just picking the pieces up and keeping it moving. Right. 
So even as far as, so when um, that happened and she got hurt, just even back on the cruise ship, just, you know, making sure that she was good on the day to day, even before we, you know, got back home, just that maintenance. Right. Then, um, it goes back to what you're saying, just really just staying calm and once everything gets checked out, take mm-hmm. a moment for yourself. Right. To just kind of breathe through it or do what you need to do or check out if you have to check out. I yeah. think that's important for your sanity so that things just don't continue to go wrong. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, And are you saying take a moment during the trip or after? Um, if you have the space and opportunity to take a moment during the trip, just do it. Mm-hmm. Even if that's just leaving the room, getting some fresh air, right? not really talking to anybody that's in your travel group. So mm-hmm. you can just kind of get re-censored. Yeah. Yeah. I think good. I'm, I'm thinking of, um, also like if you're able to communicate with people that are outside of your travel group, I would maybe just reach out for support outside of the people that you're traveling with to someone that you know will support you. Yeah, that's good. That's a good idea. Like if you just need mm-hmm. a event session. Right. Or just a check-in. Mm-hmm. I think that's good too, to have that support system. Yeah. And travel insurance, I had never really even thought of that until I started traveling with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a great idea to have because you never know what can happen. And we've had... a I mean, I know I've had a couple instances where um, things could have, you know, gotten canceled and things did get canceled. And we wouldn't and if we wouldn't have had that insurance, we would have lost a lot more of our money. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really important to keep in mind. Yeah. Um, I think it's good too to have a plan. Mm -hmm. Like if something happens, this is what we're going to do. Right. Um. Maybe not full details, but mm-hmm. this is our this is gonna be our strategy or this is gonna be our plan just in case, right? Because you always want to be prepared just in case, right? Right. <laughs> and you can't predict like what's gonna happen, but and you don't really. I mean, if you if you can communicate the plan with your group, it's fine. Sometimes that can that can uh, make other people <laughs> their anxiety increase. Yeah, for sure. So. do what's best for you like if you feel like you want to create a plan in your mind keep it to yourself but just know okay if if a and b happens then you know we can do c and d um just having a plan in place not saying that you can predict every disaster that's going to happen but you know what if we miss our flight or um what if we get to the hotel and you know they overbooked us or something like that just thinking of little things like that yeah it's helpful do you think that so what do you do or how do you manage when it's different dynamics within your group Mm -hmm. so say like there's like a a huge age group a age difference or you're traveling with family versus traveling with friends Mm -hmm. how do you think you would manage that like are you the person that they know to just go to you to figure it out or Mm. if you're with somebody that usually takes a lead do you feel comfortable Mm. deferring to them that's a good question (laughs) um i think the last part of what you said sounds true to me so i know when i'm traveling in a group 
with whether it's with family or a friend group, I know I have at least one person I can go to mm-hmm. if I'm not that person. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes I try to be mindful of making that person the go-to person every time because that can get overwhelming as well. Um, hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Like if there's one person that everyone is consistently going to <laughs> if there's an issue... Like, I would imagine, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I would imagine that could get um, overwhelming and frustrating, too. I think so, too. I think that's a good thing about traveling in different dynamics, different times, not, like, always traveling with your same travel group, Mm -hmm. specifically. Like, I know if I'm traveling with my family and something goes awry or something changes... I usually can defer to my mother mm-hmm. to be the one that steps up and says, "This is this is where this is what we're gonna do." Yeah. But I know in certain certain groups, I know I'm that person. Yep. And then, and even with some other my other friends, right? I know one of them is probably gonna step up before I do mm-hmm. because that's just their dynamic in our friend circle. Yeah. Yeah. With me and my family, um, typically it's my dad that's my go-to when it's when it's um, family oriented. Okay. With my friends, most of the time it is you, Tia. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, it's you. I know, right? Um, and with my fiance, like it's him. Like I defer mm-hmm. to him in situations. So, but then it's like <laughs> also trying to help support that person, like not just leaving everything to that one person. And I still am working on that too. Is like figuring out my role and going with that like uh-huh. and finding how finding out how to support the person that you're going to so if you know that person is trying to figure out i don't know something rent like if we um run into an emergency where we forget something you know helping search helping look for things and not just looking sitting there looking at that person do it and you not helping like when we missed our flight yeah everyone started looking for flights and, and we were all talking about how we were going to get back home when we went to new orleans and i'm thinking about too even as far as we couldn't find a hotel so mm-hmm. we we're all hands on deck we yeah. gotta find a room we gotta find rooms right i think having that mentality and traveling with people that you know could get it together if they had to get it together i think mm-hmm. it's important too um, make sure you have extra copies of documents if you can like if you have a boarding pass maybe have it screenshotted on your phone versus just relying on the internet that's what I do oh, a lot yes. I screenshot my boarding passes and when I make flights for other people I screenshot it and send it to them versus just sending the day of just scrolling through my phone on the app because that can crash. Mm-hmm. Or even if you're traveling abroad, have a copy of your passport somewhere, mm-hmm. like a photocopy of your passport on hand, just mm. just to have. I've heard about doing that. Um, maybe if you're traveling with somebody who's on a lot of meds, maybe have a med list mm-hmm. available. Yeah. Or knowing even some of the signs and symptoms to look for if they're having like a medical emergency right right that's good i never thought about um making copies of your passport that's a good idea to Mm -hmm. have that and like having all of these items like in an emergency bag and just label it and put it somewhere Mm -hmm. you know you have access to it yeah um that's good tips so hmm 
firing your therapist and being fired by a client. <laughs> I'm sitting here trying to think, like, have I ever been fired? Um, what happens typically for me is patients just don't show back up. Okay. And I don't know. And see, if there's so many reasons that could be. It could be barriers, you know. It could be they just don't want to see me anymore. They could have found someone else. It could be anything. Um, or they're not even ready for care. Or they're not ready. I have one instance I can think of when I worked with adults. Um, I was seeing this older lady, probably less than five sessions, and I didn't see her again. And then um, I bumped into her during brief intervention in the clinic, and she's like, oh, I know I haven't come to see, she just self-disclosed to me. She was like, I know I haven't come to see you lately, but I've started seeing such and such. I just feel like you're so young, you can't relate to a lot of what oh, I'm going wow. through. Yeah. What that feel like? Um, I think at first it was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but as I thought about it, like I couldn't. You know, this was an older lady going through menopause. I think um her husband had just passed away. Like I mean, there were like I guess age things that she age wise there were things that she was going through that I couldn't relate to. Um. But, I mean, I respected it. I didn't really... I tried not to take it personal. Yeah, and you know? I, yeah I think you can't take it personal. I mean, right. really, at the end of the day, it's a business. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's not you as a person. It's you as a clinician. And sometimes, mm-hmm. you're not going to mesh with every patient that you have. And I Absolutely. think that's okay. Um, I can appreciate not necessarily being ghosted as mm-hmm. far as making an appointment and don't show up. Right. But I can appreciate a patient saying, you know what, I'm going to email you or I'm going to text you and I'm ready to come back. And then mm-hmm. they just don't. Right. Yeah. Because then it's, I put that autonomy in their hands and they have to make that conscious decision versus saying, yes, I'm definitely coming and then get ghosted. Yeah. Because, I mean, I hate to charge you that fee. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but not showing up. Yeah. When you could have just said, you know, I'll call you. Mm-hmm. Don't call me, I'll call you. Yep. And I think for me, it helps me not to take it as personal either. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, life happens. And yeah. sometimes that means taking a break. Right. From right. your therapist. Yeah. Like I said, it's, there's so many reasons why people may not show back up and so for me to be like taking that personal I just don't think it's it's not healthy for one (laughs) it's not ethical for two okay and then for three it just wouldn't make sense because there's so many possibilities out there yes and imagine if you took every single patient home that didn't show back up Mm, girl the list would go on and on and on and I think it's important too to have for it to be a two-way street yeah if you know that the patient is not compliant or you know there is a barrier there just to give them the space and acknowledging that hey i know this might be difficult for you so Mm -hmm. i'm leaving that door open for you right that way you don't necessarily have to say this is not gonna work it's Mm -hmm. let them think on it yeah and make that choice yeah i know for me it kind of does hit home because, and it's funny, as a therapist, you know, re- recently my therapist fired me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I am in the position where I can disclose that. And it's okay. Mm-hmm. It caught me off guard. Yeah. But it's okay. And I did take it personal in the beginning. But I was like, you know what? It's fine. It's going to be fine. 
um, if we weren't vibing, we weren't vibing. Mm-hmm. And then there's so many therapists out there, and there's so many just social workers in general out there mm-hmm. that you could mesh with. So don't feel bad if you're on the flip side of that way, you are getting fired or you feel like this is not going to work. Mm-hmm. Just be open and honest with your clinician with your therapist and say, hey, you know, I'm struggling here. Mm-hmm. Let me think about it or I want to pause. Mm-hmm. I think that if she would have given it maybe more time, because it was three sessions in and she was like, this is not going to work. Mm-hmm. And I was taking it back because it was only three sessions. Yeah. I think if she would have been maybe on like on session five or six and said something, then I can be like, okay, I can see that. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like I was blindsided. Right. But, again, that's just the fact you keep moving. Yeah. Especially if you know you're in a spot where you want care and you want that for yourself. It's okay to find somebody else. And it's okay to be fired. Mm-hmm. What I've learned from this experience is, usually, and this is a good tip too, even on the flip side, as a clinician, if you do formally fire a patient, Send them a referral list. Mm-hmm. You know, I may not be a good fit, but here's a list of my colleagues that you might want to consider. Yes. And while I appreciate that that she did that for me, I was already looking for another therapist at the at that point. Right. And oddly enough, one of the patient, one of the therapists that was on the referral list is who I ended up signing up with anyway. Mm-hmm. So it kind of worked out. Yeah. But these things happen. We're humans. Yeah. And. It's life. Right. I'm glad you mentioned a referral list um, because I think, well, you probably would have been looking anyway, but mm-hmm. I think a piece of what helped you get started is being a therapist yourself. Yes. So I'm thinking of clients who don't really have our background, who aren't therapists, who aren't in clinical practice, just, you know, just, I don't know, just normal is not the word I'm looking for (laughs) but um just people who don't really have experience in therapy and dealing with like trauma and like real life fear of being abandoned Mm -hmm. I would imagine that to be really scary yeah to be fired by their therapist so having a list of resources is not only a good idea but again it's ethical to do that exactly I was about to say that um, to leave the, not and, and, and offer them to come back until they get connected. That's another thing too. Not just saying, you know, I'm not going to see you anymore and giving your reasoning, but also leaving the door open and saying, I'm here for you and you can continue to be here until I can get you connected to someone else. That's important. Yeah, and I will say that's an excellent point because she did offer that to me. Mm-hmm. I was already checked out at that point. Right. But she did say, you know, I, you can see me again if you need to to kind mm-hmm. of bridge that gap. And I was like, girl, no. Yeah. <laughs> and respecting <laughs> that. Yeah, and yeah. respecting that response if they choose not to because, uh-huh. I, you know, that's their choice. Um, what else? I actually... <laughs> I didn't fire my therapist. I just ghosted her. (laughs) (laughs) So I started seeing a therapist a couple years back, and we probably had probably like five sessions. Okay, see five magic numbers. Yeah, and like she, it was just some. I wasn't. I think a piece of me wasn't ready to really go there, and it was still early. Um, 
and she was really like as she's supposed to be she was very direct she asked a lot of you know good questions and there was one question she asked me and I just remember thinking I'm not about to go there with you uh-huh. <laughs> yes and that's what it was for me yeah too. yeah and so in my mind, I was like, yeah, no. And what I said was, I don't really want to talk about that. And she said, okay, well, what would you like to talk about? So I just went from there. And um, after that, I just did not go back for like a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And I ended up, she didn't reach out. I ended up reaching back out to her to get an appointment. And I was actually going to go back. And I didn't hear anything for like two weeks. So I ended up finding someone new. Okay. So, so is that really ghosting then? Well, that's what I was thinking in my mind. Like, I feel like I ghosted her, but then I also feel like she was not available for mm-hmm. me as well. That's a real one. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you gave it some time, apparently, mm-hmm. and she gave it some time too. Too much time. Yep. And then you was out. Yep. So that's another thing. Like, I, I understand, you know, workload and we're busy as therapists, but... I think two weeks is a long time to wait, like if someone reaches out. And you know, it's just mindfulness, right? Because we're busy and we have a lot. I mean, if you're in private, everybody manages their own schedule. I just say that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you can't help it if you can't reach back out. But just having some, a level of mindfulness when people do reach out for support, getting back to them. Because I got a whole separate, girl, a whole separate uh, thing I can complain about. (laughs) Because I'm telling you, like, I reach out to people from Psychology Today all the time to get people connected. And I do, I never hear anything back. It's crazy. I have been guilty of that. Yeah. I have done it. Mm -hmm. But usually what happens is I may be busy and then I just lose track of it. Right, right. Or if I make the conscious decision. So recently I took a week off. Mm -hmm. Um... And I didn't see any patients. I didn't answer emails. I didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And when I got back, I, if I had emails, I said, you know, I'm sorry for my absence or I'm sorry for the delay. My office was closed this week. Mm-hmm. Are you still interested? Gotcha. I think even just that little bit of connection, mm-hmm. that little bit of communication can, can help family. save that relationship. Because yeah. usually most people are understanding if you give them some kind of reason. You don't have to really, like, self-disclose what exactly happened, but if you can give a legit reason, Mm -hmm. then most people are understanding that they still need you. They will continue. If not, they either won't respond back or they'll say, you know, I understand, but I have found somebody. And I think that's the beautiful part about being so connected with technology. Mm -hmm. I know it's so easy just to look at emails on your phone, but... It's okay to check out, but be present when it's time to be present. Mm -hmm. To kind of reduce that chance of firing and being fired. I'm sitting here trying to think. I don't know if I would consider what I do firing clients. Uh oh. (laughs) Um, I think when I initially, because I work, okay, so I work in a clinic, I do brief intervention. So. When I meet a, a patient or client and their family for the first time, I'm teasing out and thinking about, is this something I can address or is this something I need to refer out mm-hmm. for? Mm-hmm. And there have been times where I'll take a client on and a few sessions in, things will come up and I'm, I know that I'm not able to address those concerns and I feel like there might be someone who has that additional training or... Um, they might need a specific type of therapy and then I will refer 
that client out. But again, I, I don't abandon my clients. You know, I allow them to continue to see me. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, they're fine because I explain to them from the beginning my role and what I do. And I let them know, you know, you may, just like you go to the doctor, you know, your primary care physician may see you. And if they determine, like, you know, you need, you have trouble with your vision, they're going to send you to an optometrist. They're going to send you to a specialty provider. Mm -hmm. It's similar with therapy. You know, you meet a therapist and they'll assess. And if they feel like they can meet your needs, they will. And if not, they'll refer you to someone who can. And so I think when I explain it that way, patients are a lot more comfortable and they understand if I have to refer. Yeah. So I don't feel like I'm really firing them. I just feel like I'm sending them on to meet with someone who can meet their needs. Mm-hmm. And one thing I can say too is I'm thinking about when I was doing brief intervention as well. A lot of patients like that and the the not the informality of saying I'm just gonna get up with you when I have my doctor's appointment, mm-hmm. and we can pick up there yeah. and you know give me some things I need to work on then, and I'll see you in a month or I'll see you in three months or whatever my follow up is. Right, right. So I think if you make your <laughs> make your intentions clear from the beginning, mm-hmm. um, I think that helps. Communication. At the bottom line is communication. Yes, it goes a long way. And it does. And then too. What I will give to y'all is people who have patience and you're worried about not meshing or you're worried about things not moving, just be open and honest with how you're feeling. And I think, too, you have to be mindful that everybody's not going to go at your pace. Mm-hmm. So if you feel like a patient is stuck somewhere or if they aren't ready to go there with you, respecting that, mm-hmm. I think when you continue to cross those lines or continue to push and are not ready, I think that gives a greater risk of being fired. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Nobody wants to be forced to talk about something if they're not ready. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought about something while you were speaking on uh-huh. the other end of that and it just slipped my mind. Mm-hmm. I heard it was good too. It was. <laughs> <laughs> I hate when that happens. Um, shoot. But I think that's all. All of that is good information. Just keep in mind. Mm-hmm. So the big takeaway is, like you said, communication. It goes both ways. Mm-hmm. Being open and honest with expectations. Not pushing a patient. It's okay to push a patient, but if they're giving you a lot of resistance and they're, you can tell they're very uncomfortable, fall back. Right. Right. And I think um, falling back goes a long way. <laughs> because I'm just thinking, like, in a just in any relationship if you're building a relationship with someone and you're opening up and you might want to just kind of fall back a little bit and they're constantly pressuring you well let's talk about this or asking you questions about something when you set a boundary essentially and say you know I'm not ready to talk about this or I don't want to talk about this and you keep getting pushed to talk about it that would frustrate anyone absolutely so I would just say, <laughs> meet people where they are. Yes, there you go. Meet where they at. And if, if they're not ready, they're just not ready. Sometimes we got to put our, we have to have enough empathy to put ourselves in other people's shoes. Yes, absolutely. And not only that, sometimes you got to take ego yes, off the shelf. Absolutely, because it's not about you. It's not. 
facts about your client. And again, not taking it personal if they don't go there with you. Mm-hmm. So, that was a good episode. It was. Um, you guys can follow us on Black Traveling LCSWs on Instagram and send us your travel pictures. We would love to see where you all are traveling during COVID and um, tag us in your pictures if you want to and we'll repost on our page. And you can listen to us on SoundCloud, on Spotify, on iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. Mm-hmm. For the most part. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> we do what we can. <laughs> and we are um, all inclusive of all social workers. You don't have to be licensed. Um, thank you guys for listening. Have a good day. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>